time, I'd like to invite the children to come forward and stand right here in front. And then once the children are here, then I want everybody else to kind of gather around and get in as close as you can so you can see. got one guy coming from the back that needs to make a little slit in the river for him. There we go. Because of God's grace, all are welcome in this place. In baptism, we are washed in God's mercy and love and given new birth as children of God. In these waters, we are united with all the people of God, anointed with the Holy Spirit and sent into the world to share in the mission of Christ. Called by the Holy Spirit, trusting in the grace and love of God, you desire to have your child baptized into Christ. As you bring Nicholas to receive the gift of baptism, you are entrusted with responsibilities to live with him among God's faithful people, bring him to the word of God and the Holy Supper, teach him the Lord's Prayer, the Creed, and the Ten Commandments, place in his hands the Holy Scriptures, and nurture him in faith and prayer so that he may learn to trust God, proclaim Christ through word and deed, care for others in the world God made, and work for justice and peace. Do you promise to help him grow in the Christian faith and life? Sponsors, do you promise to nurture him in the Christian faith as you are empowered by God's spirit and to help him live in the covenant of baptism and in communion with the church? People of God, do you promise to support Nicholas and pray for him in his new life in Christ? Now I ask you to profess your faith in Christ Jesus, reject sin, and confess the faith of the church. Do you renounce the devil and all the forces that defy God? I renounce them. Do you renounce the powers of this world that rebel against God? I renounce them. Do you renounce the ways of sin that draw you from God? We all say together, do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Water, water. We praise you, O God, for water. Lake Michigan and the Chicago River the rain that nourishes animals and plants, the water for drinking and bathing. We praise you, O God, for water. We praise you, O God, for water. We praise you, O God, for our water story, a flood that cleansed the earth, the sea that drowned the enemy, Jesus baptized in the Jordan River, washing the disciples' feet on the cross thirsting for us. We praise you, O God, for water. We praise you, O God, for water. 
God, for this font, for you breathe into this water to wash away sin and birth us anew into your peace and joy. We praise you, O God, for water. We praise you, O God, for water. O God, you are the ocean, the source of all life. O God, you are the river, saving us from death. O God, you are the stream, restoring our community's strength. We praise you, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, today, tomorrow, and forever. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. Come in closer to the sea. All right, you ready? <laughs> Come in closer. Thank you. Here we go. Are you ready? Nicholas David, I baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. have been baptized into Christ and you have clothed yourself in Christ in compassion and love and kindness from this day forevermore. Amen. Let us pray. We give you thanks, O God, that through water and the Holy Spirit you give your children new birth, cleanse them from sin, and raise them to eternal life. Sustain Nicholas with the gift of your Holy Spirit the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, the spirit of joy in your presence. Amen. <laughs> Nicholas David, child of God, you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will have the light of life. The Assembly's response is in the bulletin. Let us welcome the newly baptized. We welcome you into the body of Christ and the mission we share. Join us in giving thanks and praise to God and bearing God's creative and redeeming word to all the world. Nine. I'm going to invite you to walk back to your seats, and I'm going to parade him around a little bit here so you can see him, and let us give thanks for this new member of our community in Christ. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. O God, our eternal Redeemer, by the presence of your Spirit, 
you renew and direct our hearts. Keep always in our mind the end of all things and the day of judgment. Inspire us for a holy life here and bring us to the joy of the resurrection. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. reading from Job. Oh, that my words were written down. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and with lead, they were engraved on a rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and that at the last will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, then in my flesh, I shall see God, whom I shall see on my side, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. Word of God, word of life. reading from 2 Thessalonians. As to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we beg you, brothers and sisters, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as though from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord is already here. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the lawless one is revealed, the one destined for destruction, who opposes and rises up above every so-called God or object of worship, taking a seat in the temple of God and claiming to be God. Do you not remember that I told you these things when I was still with you? But we must always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits of salvation through sanctification by the Spirit, and through the belief in truth. For this purpose, God calls you through our proclamation of the good news, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and through grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, comfort your hearts and strengthen them in every good work and word. Word of God, word of life.
the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers, the first married and died childless, then the second and the third married her. And so, in the same way, all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore, because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Now he is a God not of the dead, but of the living. For to him all of them are alive. The Gospel of the Lord. That's a term that we normally hear maybe applied to a fine wine or a craft beer. I've even heard it applied to describe the, the quality of the sound of music that comes from a record player as opposed to listening to it digitally. The term full body, it implies a rich, substantial, satisfying flavor or sound. And it's a term that we might associate with a sense of wholeness or completeness. And as we gather together in this time, this time between All Saints Day and Advent, where feelings of anticipation or thoughts about the future or the afterlife might be on our minds, and especially after hearing today's lectionary texts that deal directly with the afterlife, I also want to apply this term full body to describe the resurrection. Now, when it comes to the afterlife, outside of this full-bodied resurrection, there are a lot of other competing ideas about what might happen when we die. The Greek philosophers taught about the immortality of the soul. And for many of us who have had loved ones who have passed, that has been a comforting thought, that there is still some essence of our loved ones that never really dies. Another way of thinking about the afterlife is how it's portrayed often in much of westernized Christianity as a destination. You either go to heaven or to hell, or purgatory for some. And that thought, too, might bring us comfort if we think that we're going to the good place, or it might bring us fear if there are doubts about where we'll end up. And I'm not here to try and disprove either of these ideas about the afterlife, because the fact that I am standing up here today speaking is proof that I have no direct experience with the afterlife, and therefore I, I have no authority to tell you what it's like. But I do have to confess that even though I do not know what will happen in the afterlife, I do have to be honest and transparent with you that my hope in the afterlife is not rooted in an immortality of the soul or in a heavenly destination, but my hope rests in the resurrection, the full-bodied resurrection. 
And I'm not here to give you a lesson in Christian orthodoxy. I want to be clear that what I'm saying about my hope for this full-bodied resurrection is a declaration of faith, not a statement of certainty. And my hope rests in the resurrection not only because of what it promises for us in the afterlife, but also how it affects how I live here and now. This full-bodied hope of the resurrection, it outpours itself into my life, and it embodies love in my life. You see, when I think about heaven or the immortal soul, those concepts, they feel disembodied from me. But when I think about the resurrection and the hope that it gives, this full-bodied kind of hope, because the resurrection, it promises that our embodied whole selves will in some way be reunited with God. And because of this full-bodied resurrection hope in the afterlife, I live with the conviction, the conviction that our bodies here and now, too, are also good. Our bodies matter. They are good and holy. And we should show love for our bodies because God also cares about those bodies and their wholeness in the resurrection. In our first reading from Job, Job says that in my flesh I shall see God, indicating a bodily life after death. And when pressed with tough questions from the Sadducees in our gospel this morning, Jesus too affirms this hope of the resurrection. And neither of these stories provide us with some definitive, vivid picture of the afterlife. And in that way, I can empathize with these Sadducees who then desire to know what this resurrection truly will look like. But in their questioning, the most we get from Jesus is not necessarily what a picture of the afterlife will look like, but a picture of what it won't look like. And to put it simply, it won't be like this. The question that the Sadducees ask Jesus about the woman who married seven brothers and which one will she belong to in the resurrection it's their attempt to try and stump Jesus, to poke a hole in this idea of the resurrection. But the problem with their question is that it's predicated on this assumption that in the resurrection, it will just be more of the same of what we have now. And so in response, Jesus' answer insists that the resurrection life is qualitatively different from life as we know it. And specifically for this woman, in question, who would have been regarded as property of all seven husbands that she was with. Her situation will be radically different in the resurrection. She will be liberated in the resurrection, no longer property of any man, but restored to full body wholeness. Jesus isn't interested in carrying on oppressive norms of ownership or control especially over our bodies. But Jesus wants to transform the way we relate to the people and the possessions and all of creation that surrounds us. So if that's the case, that our relationships with one another and even with this earth are radically transformed in the resurrection, I sense that there might be a question that arising for us now about whether or not we will even know our loved ones in the afterlife in the same way that we know them now. And Lutheran pastor David Lowe, he answers that question in this way. He says, Jesus does not say that we will not know those who have been dear to us, only that the resurrection life will not be marked by the same features as this one. Pastor Lowe goes on to illustrate this point with an example. He had taught an adult forum on the resurrection, and after this forum was complete, a parishioner came up to him afterward. She was very upset. Her husband had died in the previous year, and her belief in this immortality of her husband's soul, it's what had brought her comfort for that year. And so as gently as Pastor Los could put it, he said that he didn't want to take that comfort away from her, but rather he wanted to make it stronger, more complete, what I want and what I hope for you, he said, is, a, is more than just a wispy essence of your husband. I want the whole person for you. The whole person created 
loved and now redeemed by God in and through Christ. Over time, it was that affirmation that helped this woman reckon with the grief that she was feeling over her husband. And it wasn't by denying that grief, but by understanding the promise that there would be an end to it. And indeed, there will be an end to all our grief, all our tears and suffering, when God creates a new heaven and a new earth and invites us all through the resurrection to live together with God and with all the saints in fellowship. That's what a full-bodied hope of the resurrection looks like to me. Not the continuation of the way things are, of the systems and the institutions that we experience now that oppress us or bring death, but the resurrection of all things that give life and all things that embody love. For our God is not a God of the dead, but a God of the living. And through faith, we know that our Redeemer lives, as we heard this morning. The resurrection, with all of its mystery, it might not be that thing that gives us the instant gratification of heaven for an or an immortal soul, but I believe it does more to impact the way that we live in our bodies here and now, because we trust and hope that at the last, we will be resurrected in our whole selves, and we will see God. And it's that full-bodied future hope that becomes embodied present love. Amen.
longing for Christ's coming, let us pray for the church, those in need, and all of God's creation. For your church, that it may face the future with confidence in your mercy and loving kindness. Let us pray. For your steadfast love and faithfulness to those in prison, the innocent wrongly accused, and the victims of violence and abuse, let us pray. For comfort, strength, and hope to those who suffer with illness, grieve loved ones, or lie close to death, especially Rita, and those we name aloud or in our hearts. Let us pray. For those in our congregation who work with, serve, teach, and lead children, and for Nicholas, whom we welcome in baptism this weekend. Let us pray. In thanksgiving for all the saints who dwell in your promised future, especially Martin of Tours and Soren Kierkegaard, bring us with them to the joy of the resurrection. Let us pray. Sustain us in your promises, faithful God, as we watch and wait for your coming among us in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you always. It is our joy and delight to worship as the people of God today, and a warm welcome to Holy Trinity. Whether you go to church every week, or you grew up Lutheran, or Catholic, or nothing, whether you're curious about church, or love church, whatever the color of your skin, who you love, marry, how you vote, your gender identity, the many ways we divide and define people, here we are one in God's mercy and forgiveness, and we welcome you warmly. There are yellow slips in the pew rack. If you're a newcomer, we invite you to fill those out and place them in the offering basket, which is here on the way to communion. It's the second Sunday of the month, and a number of second Sundays, we have a special sparkling reception following worship. And we hope that you can join us up here and get something sparkling to drink. And then several events are happening, and we invite, if you're going to the kitchen meeting in the kitchen, or the Q&A session here, we invite you to get your sparkling drink and move right over. Bo will be here. This is something new. If you're new to Holy Trinity and you'd like to find out a little bit more, it'll be a tour and a Q&A with our administrator, Bo, and I'll join in at some point. So Bo will meet you right here, right after the music ends. If you turn with me to page 16, a, a few other announcements. Again, speaking to folks who may not have grown up Lutheran or with robes and smells and other liturgical things, if you'd like to find out more, or maybe you grew up in a conservative church and are wondering how you might be a different kind of person of faith in our country, in our world today, Life Together is a program for you. It will meet next Sunday and we'll be explaining a little bit what will be happening and options for that in the coming year. 
Also, right below that, if you're ready, we would love to welcome you as a new person, a new member of our community, and there's an orientation uh, coming up on Monday the 18th. If you can attend, you can send an email or just do it right now. Take out the yellow slip in your pew and put your name down and say that you can come to that meeting. And with that in mind, also speaking to our many new people, page 22 and 23 is a, a lot of information about our congregation, um, our offerings, our rituals, the nursery, um, and please take a look at that as well. On page 19 then, there are four ELCA Lutheran congregations within walking distance in this community. It's kind of amazing. And every year we have a hymn sing with Thanksgiving and other hymns. And this year will be Resurrection, which is where I was, where I first served as a pastor many decades ago. And it's only about four blocks that way. It's a wonderful church and we hope that you can attend and be part of our community on that afternoon at four o'clock. I need one more pie. So if you can bring a pie, each congregation brings two pies and two readers. We need one pie, so let me know if you could bring one. And then lastly, on page 18, we're getting ready two weeks from today, Intention 2020. We're thinking about the year 2020, this vibrant community of faith, Holy Trinity, that we love, and how we can financially support that. So we're inviting you all to to pray, think about that, and then come ready to fill out forms on that day. And if you happen to be in New York that day, if you happen to be in London that day, if you happen to be in bed that day, we're gonna let everyone do it wherever you are in those 24 hours as we make our intentions for 2020 known. And with that in mind, each Sunday for the next three weeks, we will be having a faith faith story and they'll also be in our e-news and our first one. Hello everybody. I'm Jonas Ellison and my family and I have been members of Holy Trinity now for about a year, a little over a year now. Um, I'm a first year full-time seminarian at LSTC pursuing a Masters of Divinity and uh, discerning my call to ministry in the ELCA. Um, to make the distinction, I'm not an MIC resident like Troy, Melissa, Sarah, or Reed. I'm just a member who happens to be a seminarian. So um, I start my MIC next year, but I don't like goodbyes, so I'm going to hold off on the goodbyes until then. So, um, But my, my particular story, I was raised Roman Catholic. Anybody? Yeah. Um, later in life, I started to question my faith altogether. Anybody? Um, Questions. Uh, was God really an, an abusive father who killed his only son because of us? Did God truly despise people of certain sexual orientations and religions and those who didn't identify with any religion? Why couldn't priests be female or married? How could God be so disgruntled by his own creation? In my early 20s, I identified as spiritual but not religious and did so for almost two decades. A couple years ago, I found myself drawn to three seemingly paradoxical things. Progressive Christianity, Orthodox Christianity, and contemplative slash mystical Christianity. But here was a dilemma. How and where in the world would I find a faith community that embraces all three? <laughs> Holy Trinity was and is that place a sacred space that welcomes all to the table, even a heretic like me, one that embraces a progressive worldview while remaining rooted in ancient Orthodox theology, one that provides that holy comma every week where I can rest my weary soul and allow God's grace to swoop in and soften my heart, one that encourages my endless questions and even doubts. This is a community that my wife and I feel safe raising our daughter in, and it's the reason that I enrolled in seminary and devoted my life to carrying on this tradition in whatever ways that I can. This is why we financially support Holy Trinity and its mission. We want this to be the new norm in the Christian faith. It's a bold endeavor for sure, but it's one that we feel divinely privileged to be part of. Thank you and Godspeed.
eternal wisdom, source of our being, and goal of our longing. We praise you and give you thanks, because you have created us in your image to cherish your world and seek your face. Divided and disfigured by sin, while we were yet helpless, you emptied yourself of power and took upon you our unprotected flesh. You labored with us upon the cross and have brought us forth to the hope of resurrection. Therefore, with the women who gave you birth, your followers who befriended you and fed you, who argued with you and touched you, the woman who anointed you for death, the women who met you risen from the dead, and with all your lovers throughout the ages, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed is our brother Jesus, who before his suffering earnestly desired to eat with his companions the Passover of liberation, who on the night that he was betrayed took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. In the same way also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. Great is the mystery of faith. Therefore, as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim Christ's death until he comes. In the body broken and the blood poured out, we restore in memory and hope the broken and unremembered victims of tyranny and sin. And we long for the bread of tomorrow and the wine of the age to come. Come then, life-giving spirit of our God, brood over these bodily things and make of us one body with Christ, that we may labor with creation to be delivered from its bondage to decay into the glorious liberty of all the children of God. Through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory to you, O God, now and forever.
wait in joyful hope, even as Christ comes among us now.
us pray. God of the ages, in this Eucharist you have united us with the communion of saints in all times and places. Strengthen us with this food and drink for the pilgrimage ahead until we dwell in the peace of your eternal home through Christ our Lord. Amen. May God direct your ways in peace, make you abound in love for one and all, and strengthen your hearts until the coming of our Lord Jesus. And may God bless you now and forever in the name of the Holy and Blessed Trinity, one God. Amen. Go in peace. Christ is coming soon.